you messaged. When I met you were indisposed. We're live, by the way. Were uh, you going to the bathroom? Yes. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, there I, is a mobile app for StreamYard, just FYI. You know, you could have called in from the can. <laughs> well, I I I wanted to you don't have a streaming setup in your bathroom like me? No, I don't take my phone into the bathroom because if I do, I'll never come out. Right. Oh, right. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. It's the pre-show where we talk about what we're going to do in the show. Andy, chiming in early live. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. How you doing? Andy's selling swag. swag. I think he got a hold of uh, Henry today. Henry running some of the Facebook stuff, social media stuff for the oh. Outrage degree. Whatever, whatever it is now. This is basically all I do and share memes. I don't do shit over there anymore. But it looks like Andy looking for merch. And if you'd listen to the show merch. every week, like he does, you just go to Outright Geekery. It's on Bonfire. We sell merch over there. But uh, merch. Yeah. Hey, you guys. He was actually kind of doing hey, that. Hey, you guys. Yeah, he was actually kind of doing the hey, you guys. Um, but yeah, thanks, Andy. Sell that merch. Join him over at the uh, the group page, Outright Geekery. Uh, just search for Outright Geekery on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, go to the group. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm two scotches in. We're just talking indie stuff this week. I figured we'd take advantage. It is the end of the year. There were some okay DC and Marvel books this week. I read a couple of them. But I read there was a lot of indie of... stuff, a lot of small press stuff. And I, I think read going to a... lean into it. I read a couple of DC and uh, Marvel books, and I was not pleased with the offerings. Good. Good. That Uh, just leans even harder into what we're doing this week. Because, oh, yeah, Taylor's not showing up. Taylor's uh, indisposed. He is not taking a dump. He is (laughs) hanging out with family and stuff. It's that time of year. Got to be, you know, flexible. He'd love to be here. He'd love to be here, but, yeah, he's doing family stuff. Uh, yes, the group page is amazing. Yes, no, no caveats there. He's not biased. It actually is amazing. It's just even better now. It's always been amazing. It just has 30% less spam now because somebody's actually doing shit over there. Spam, 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 tomato and spam, egg and spam. But Andy's well, actually, yes. And, spam. Andy's doing an amazing job over there, so. Uh, uh, yeah, go there and check it out. We got a new intro. I don't intro. hang out at I don't hang out a lot on Facebook, but the way things are going nowadays with Twitter, <laughs> I not. may have to find I may have to find a, a new home or an old home. Let's or not. Actually, Let's not even. I've actually got my super secret uh, Instagram account opened up. But... Ooh, let's do the show. <laughs> we got a new uh, mm-hmm. new intro this week. Fits perfectly with what we do. You're what the French call les incompetents. Les incompetents? Les incompetents. She's right. We're terrible with this. Another episode Bonjour. of this Geeky Comics Our Geekery's comic book shit talk show. Shit talk show. To Gomer and David Hour going back to like pandemic, pre-pandemic. Oh yeah, this is like this is like just you know, me and him the doing this days. shit. The old remember days. when we used to have five people on the damn show? Oh yeah, I remember. Jesus, 
Remember when we used to not be called this geek in comics? Yeah, what were we? We were comic geeks cast. of the round table. Oh yeah, we were geeks of the round table. We were comic cast for a minute. We were working over there and them. It's been a lot of shit. Ah, yeah, oh, the we've memories had a lot of nostalgia. Of, we've we've had a pretty fun trip so far. It has been fun. It has been fun. But you've been I here should, all the whole time. You, I have. I yeah. I have. I am like all the, the iterations. I am the Captain America of outright geekery. I wasn't <laughs> yeah, there. Right. I wasn't there Avengers. at the beginning, but I yeah. contributed quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. At the very uh, beginning. Segment one. What did we do this week? Uh, I watched Black Adam. Uh, I did not enjoy this at all. It was kind of boring. I mean, it the fight is... scenes were cool, but I just didn't have a good time with this at all. It is um, a yeah. it is a lot stronger entry into the DCU than so, some other movies. I definitely like this a lot better than say the Wonder Woman eighty four movie. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman eighty four was better for me on a rewatch, actually, dude. Uh, and that might be the same for this, but I just found myself bored the whole time. I did go see this in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that it is more of a Hawkman Doctor Fate buddy movie. I mean, yeah, it is. So, uh, I mean, Black Adam, by the end of the movie, does have kind of a, a sad story. And yeah. it kind of gets there in these weird flashbacks where they're speaking another language. And I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was kind of clunky. I, mean, I didn't think it worked. I just I was bored. I just wasn't interested at all. The whole yeah. Time. And now we're probably going now that uh, things are happening with James Gunn. We're probably oh, yeah. Henry Cavill's out. He's going to a Warhammer thing, though. Yeah. Over Did Amazon. you know that J- that Henry Cavill is a big Warhammer 40K? Dude, fan. He's like the biggest nerd. Yeah, he's a huge nerd. He has a custodes a army. Yeah. Listen he, to you he, getting all chirpy he, about it. That is that is uh, like, Andy. you know. That is like the pinnacle, almost near pinnacle of like humanity's armed forces. Is oh, the here custodians. we go, here we go. Warhammer the only nerds thing, the only thing bigger than up. a custodies is like a Primarch. Warhammer nerds quickly moving up the the ranks of the worst kind of nerds. Uh, they are the, the worst. Actually, the Warhammer community, are the terrible. Warhammer community, is very bad at gatekeeping. Uh, I oh, mean. I bet. Oh, I bet. They're they're okay. almost as bad. They're almost as bad as certain unnamed members of the comic book community who will not be named on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Andy chimed in that the Netflix Pinocchio is amazing. That's a Del Toro joint. Uh, yeah, I bet it's great. It's weird that he turned Pinocchio like into one of his monsters, and I'm okay with that. But yeah, I have not gotten <laughs> that. like Pan's Labyrinth. Pinocchio puts yeah, his hands up to right? his eyes. And he's got eyes in his hands. He's like, I'm a real boy, no. Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, what did you do this week, man? Anything cool that you want to mention? Uh, first segments. Well, it's it's not a it's not cool. It's kind of sad. Oh man, come on. Um, go ahead. Uh, my uh, my parents' cat, one we've oh. had for like eighteen years, passed away. Oh well, Saturday eighteen morning. is a lot of good memories. Eighteen is a cat. good is eighteen is a long life wow. for a cat. You but know, he, that is sad. But wow, he he, he did. Uh, he held on. Well, he loved he, life. He, he loved life. He was he was starting to go blind and he couldn't walk around. So mom and dad like made well, him like me. A, I'm, I'm going blind. I'm well, he would bump into around. things. Fuck he y'all. would bump into things. So mom and dad like made him oh, like right. a little That's crib bad. with like soft stuff. So he could yeah. be in the room with them, Aww. but not like wander around. And mom Aww. said that they got up one day and he just, he, he didn't move. Oh no. Oh, so, no. well, it was sad. sad, but he's in cat heaven now. He's a, he was a good kitty. 
That's good. Let's let's move away. Well, we got more sad news coming up. Let's do the news. We got some good news coming up. We really do. I swear to God. Um, <laughs> Way to be a downer, David. I didn't know, but it is. This is a downer too. Um, late payments to creators, right, has been a trending sort of topic. Okay. Uh, over the last few months, a number of creators. We're getting this from all different sources, by the way. The Beat, uh, Bleeding Cool had some shit on this. But, but creators have been taking to social media and have been talking about different problems with the uh, industry overall, which is leading to the fact that creators are not getting paid. Uh-huh. All right. This is also kind of seasonal, you know? Yeah. Uh, because that's had my take on it. Right. But uh, Big Bang Comics talked at length about a glut on the market. Right, David Harper, the market cannot take an outpouring of new titles that seem to have no clearly defined audience. So what he's saying is there is a glut on the market where books aren't selling, but they are being published. Right. And we're not quite sure what that means for the overall market and the industry. Right. Are publishers just writing these off? You know, WB and Disney can certainly do that shit. WB Discovery knows everything about writing shit off. Oh, They've yeah. Been writing off fucking Batgirl. Movie. They've been writing off, you know all these movies left and right um so yeah th- these big companies can write down comics but what does like a boom studios do or an aftershock comics do or fuck valiant who's down to one book a month right so aftershock and valiant were named out by a lot of this shit uh the graphic policy that com right noted that they talked to people in the industry that ppp loans kept publishers afloat during covid but now the publishers haven't adjusted to the new market, right? The realities of the market. And that's causing money flow issues, right? Now, he brought up, uh, that's Brett uh, Shanker over at graphicpolicy.com, that he, hadn't, he didn't get paid on his website from some of these damn publishers for, like, marketing opportunities. Like, they were going to put ads on the website, and he didn't get paid, or they canceled. Right, like he put all the work into it to get ads up there, and then they canceled. Mm-hmm. Now I ran into a little bit of this, you know, working you know, outright geeker when it had the big website going on. Yeah, uh, COVID killed that damn thing too. I don't know how the hell Brett stayed running. You know, good for him, but uh, that's actually a really great site over there, graphicpolicy.com. Y'all should should check it out. They're really fun. But uh, it's crazy, dude. It is crazy. There's less trickling down. Right. In this economy. Uh, well, trickling the, down yeah. is not. Oh, yeah. Let's not talk about. Let's not talk about that. Policy, but that's the way it's supposed to work. Right. It is supposed to work. Publishers that way. get paid. And then that money is supposed to go down to the marketing people and then down eventually to the comic book creators. Right. Yeah. And this trend currently that's going on, that's not happening. People ain't getting paid. Uh all right, so Aftershock Comics released something to the to the beat, and they said the truth of the matter is that no co- that the company is addressing late payments as outstanding funds owed to the company come in. So what they're saying is, you'll get paid when we're get when we get paid. When there are no the money. You gets the money. Yeah, everyone who is owed money will be paid. We recognize our obligation to consider creator compensation our number one priority. Well, obviously not if your electricity is the number one priority. Because if I owed somebody fucking money, I'm sorry, my kids are eating beans and rice for a fucking week. That's how it works in the real world. 
You know what I mean? And that's yeah. what we're talking about. We're talking about workers. We're talking about people who are trying to, you know, put food on the table, literally, you know, pay their bills, do shit. And if they don't have money coming in, that sucks. What are they going to go get an Uber? They're going to drive an Uber? DoorDash? You no, kidding me? You, you can't me? make money in the gig economy. Yeah, Valiant Comics didn't come back, but they hadn't done shit. Valiant Comics is basically not done. even a comic book. Publisher it's not even, anymore. yeah, it's not even a factor anymore. Anyway. Yeah, they're not releasing a PR. That just their monthly newsletter, which is pretty much boilerplate shit, just saying what we've got coming out that week. But a lot of people have come out and said this, dude. Um, I got him. Will Robson has come out and said it's been five to ten weeks late with payments. Right? The biggest companies in the business are now delaying payments regularly. What? What? Can't, what? He can't didn't name creators, which one, but he's calling them the biggest. Can't comic creators, like, take legal action and put liens against these companies? I mean, it depends on what their contracts are, but there's also a bigger problem there that they're all freelancers, right? So, technically, in order for them to have the same rights as a worker does under, at least in the United States, federal law, they have to take them to court for it. They have to prove damages under the law because they're a freelancer. Which is another big bullshit, and they can't, you know, collective bargain. They can't unionize in any way. So this is really a problem, dude. And if this doesn't get fixed, this is going to snowball into a bunch of of issues. Now, some publishers have come out. Uh, What's his name over at Albatross? Who does the goon? Oh, um, Ed. Uh Huh? I think. Oh shit! I'm drawing blank. What the hell? Anyway, he's running Albatross, which is now under Dark Horse, I think, at least in part. But he's like, no, we used to pay, you know, creators before we paid printers and shit like that. We took a risk at the whole damn company, like, falling apart because we knew that our lifeblood is the creative juice that comes into the into the business, right? So Joe Keone's tweet. Eric, Eric Powell. Yeah, Eric Powell. About a pair of publishers who were, uh, who were or are currently... Uh, extremely late with payments for completed work. Um, and he didn't name anybody at first, and then he was pressured, and he's like, it's fucking Valiant. Valiant owes me for Bloodshot and Archer and Armstrong covers. And I'm like, wait, what? Archer and Armstrong was like last year. They still hadn't paid you for that shit? Alex DeCampi, writer. Uh, Aftershock is another publisher with overdue payments due to creators. Um, yeah. So this is fucked up. Now, why do we share this? What are we going to do? We can just make it known, right? I mean, we, we can, can help. Get the word out. That's what we, we get can the do. word out. We can let people know. Tell these motherfuckers. Use social media. Tag them in there. Say, well, I guess I'm not buying any aftershock comics until I make sure they're paying everybody. You know, creators, please be, you know, vocal about if and when you get paid. And if it's the big two, damn, come on, y'all. What? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I well, do we we don't hear much about that from Marvel Maybe because their contracts are better. They got better lawyers. They got better. They got a bigger fish that backs them. Yeah, I'm just saying, man. We cannot wait for four ghosts, and it was four, to visit these rich motherfuckers and let them know. Now, I ain't saying Valiant and Aftershock are just overflowing with fucking cash. I'm not, especially right? Valiant. <laughs> but if there are people. At Valiant and their parent company, DMG, who are getting paid, fuck you, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to hell with you. That's, that's a jerky thing to do, man. That is a you pretty shitty thing to do. You need to figure something out. Something needs to be figured out, and these folks need to get paid. That's it. That's it, period. Oh, yeah. That's, 
that it, that's a pretty shitty thing to do if like you know yeah. the the people up top are getting paid and the people who actually do the work are not yeah always a another, shitty situation but and there's that, another layer here there are more and more comic book publishers popping up awa is a, is popping up you know this new frank miller line uh all these different imprints that are run by and we'll talk some about that here in a little bit by dark horse and idw getting all these creator owned imprints just making sure you know what i but, mean but like it could all come crashing in at any time, dude. But like with with creator owned imprints, you know they're going to try to put their people. Uh, they're going to do what they can best for their people. I mean, well, that's, hopefully that gives them more. That's power. creators running the show, at least in the imprint. Exactly. Hopefully that gives them more power, a bigger seat at the table. You know, to to make sure that they're dictating where these funds are going and where the company's priorities are. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Where their fucking priorities are, because it's kind of bullshit, dude. It is. It is. Uh, all right, let's move on to better news. Bunch of comic quick quick hits. All small publishers this week. Dungeons and Dragons coming back in Saturday morning adventures. Now, this is from That's IDW. That's pretty cool. Now, is Jim Zub really... involved? Huh? Is Jim Zub involved? Uh, no. Okay. We will talk about that because that is in my notes. So, uh, IDW, we've talked about them a whole lot. One of my favorite publishers, you know, throughout my entire publish or reading, you know, history uh, in the modern age wonderful fucking publisher they've had some rocky roads in the past year or so they lost gi joe they lost um, transformers transformers uh and they had some other things just kind of taken away from them as as contracts expired yeah but like right still, now like the biggest the biggest fish that uh idw has is turtles turtles for sure that's always some there's always going to be fans who pick up teenage mutant ninja turtles uh they also have star trek they have my little pony and yes they have dungeons and dragons and honestly people are always going to pick up those books right yeah uh, maybe not so much dungeons and dragons but they still have success with their DD books this is great synergy with one of the most preeminent well-known in the pop culture spectrum Dungeons and Dragons properties. You know what I mean? This. And they've had success with the Saturday Morning Adventures line before. They had a G.I. Joe one that was, I mean, chef's kiss, just perfect. It caught, it captured just the the essence, the air of that old G.I. Joe 80s cartoon. And I'm hoping this really does the same. It's going to be written by David M. Boer, who wrote Canto over to IDW. He's cur okay. currently writing Specs. I think that's over at Boom Studios. Great yeah. issue this week on Specs, by the way. Um, and Sam Maggs is uh, also uh, helping with the writing. Artist George Cambides is is doing the art. Um, th this first cover here, the one all the way to the left, that is the uh, interior art there. I think this is going to work, dude. I think this is going to be a really fun series. I think David M. Boer is just one of those writers who, I hate to say it like this, but most of the work is done for him. He doesn't really have to work very hard in here. All he's got to do is lay back, watch all of the episodes of the Dungeon Dragon show, and just do a fucking story, and it's done. Yeah. It's kind of like what Colin Bunn did with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers meets Godzilla. He didn't overdo it. You know, he didn't put so much of himself in there that the original story, the original <laughs> it didn't idea turn into of these a characters horror get lost. Anthology. Yeah, right. It did. We're going to talk about that in a bit, too, because he's doing something that is way out of his wheelhouse. Um, but, yeah, dude, this is going to be cool. I think this is going to be a whole lot of fun, man. And, and the, the Saturday morning Dungeons and Dragons from the 80s kind of enjoyed a bit of a revival here lately, too. Well, remember that car commercial? That car commercial from, like, that Brazil? That was a big deal. That and... was a big deal. Um, 
and then there's just been they've they've actually there's had a I, I can't think of D &D like Super overall. Seven, well, a resurgence of D and D. Yeah. But in particular, this particular pop property has been showing up. You know, and it's been what thirty years since it's been around. Forty. Ah, 1983, dude. But, like, uh, Mondo or Super 7's putting out some action figures based on this? Yup, yep. So, I mean, they're they're kind of enjoying a small resurgence. It's really... It's good, to, uh, it's good to see it. It really is, yeah. It's like this old Dungeons & Dragons from the 80s is finally earning its place in popular culture when everybody I've ever talked to remembered this. And was like, oh, yeah, that shit was dope, you know? It was. And it really was. It was kind of ahead of its time. It was. You know? They they had and if you if you do are able to watch some of these old episodes, they have like the a all star voice cast from like the eighties. If anybody you can think of from yeah. that did voice acting in the eighties was in yeah. this series. Frank yeah. Welker was in yeah. this series. Yeah. That's the uh, one that comes the worst, part, the worst part about the series is a dungeon master putting them up against Tiamat at level one. Man, fuck you. Worst DM ever. Worst <laughs> DM the, ever. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, you don't know anything kid. I wouldn't do, Zoop. Oh, he left. Um, moving on, but staying at IDW, a new Deep Space Nine series has been announced. Ah. How many years since DS9 premiered? Uh, the show? Yeah. Oh, gosh. That was like 95, 96? 30th anniversary. To celebrate the 30th anniversary. So it must have been 93, I guess. I guess. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember it coming out in high school. So, man. That was, so. Yeah. I was in high school in 93. But I was too. Yeah, I had such a good time with this fucking show. Uh, it's, a new, it's a new series. It's going to be written by um, sci-fi author Mike Chen, who also has written some Star Trek books. Again, Star Trek, there has never been a better time to be a Star Trek fan. Okay, this franchise has been around since the 60s, but now there's like five different series. They're planning movies and the comics. Now that IDW, like we said previously, has lost all of this shit that they have lost. They are pushing more Star Trek than ever before. Yeah, and there it's has been a big, their advantage. There's been a big up, uptick in Star Trek books. Yeah, it's really working to their advantage. Uh, and bravo to them. For, for doing it. Uh, it was kind of like a necessity, but out of this necessity, these Star Trek fans are now getting a lost episode of Deep Space Nine. Another angle here is the stories never stop for comic book fans. You know, Deep Space Nine could go on forever because because we can just do it. You know, that's the great thing about comics. They can just do it. So uh, this is called The Dog of War. Uh uh, Angel Hernandez, who is like a legend in Star Trek comics, um, they're doing a lost episode set ah. within the timeline of the original show. It has to be before the Dominion War, at least, because it has Jadzia Dax in it. Yes, yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, it's, it's shortly before the beginning, I guess, at least the start of the Dominion War, because Worf's there. So it's, it's, if Worf's in there, Worf was brought in because yeah, he so knows we're looking how at to four, five, Dominion. or six. Season we're, four or five, maybe, maybe the first Judzia died six. in season, Judzia died at the in end. Season seven. No, she died before, she was replaced by Ezri. So she has to be season six. So oh, this is okay. four and five. So this has to be either season four or five. Right, right. So yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's about. There's like a dog. It's going to be really dumb and weird and stupid. <laughs> I'm from Cowboy Bebop has showed up on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. 
Uh, it's a bunch of cool covers, including this like tech manual looking cover. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, you know, that, that's really a fun cover. But Terraknor. Yeah, Terraknor. So yeah, there you go. I love Deep Space Nine. I love Star Trek. It was like my first fandom. You know, like at least TV fandom. You know, there were cartoons, but those were really the toys and the comics. You know, um, the cartoons felt like they were extra, even though it was like the opposite was supposed to happen. You know, I well, wanted the toys when I went to the store. I didn't need to see the cartoon. I went DS9, to the store and I saw the toys. But DS9 Star Trek, that's like my first a, fandom, dude. Has a very special place in my heart for yeah. being the Trek series that I caught the first episode first time on. Oh, nice. I didn't catch TNG the first run, or mm-hmm. at least the first early episodes of TNG the first run. But Deep Space Nine, I was there. When it premiered, well, I was there. Yeah. My old man was really into Star Trek, like the original series early on. And they would always play, you know, reruns, like the best episodes, just all day long on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. And he would do his thing, reading a book or on the computer, or I would read a book or be on the computer. And we would just watch the hell out of that. Because my dad was, like, into computers, like, in the 70s. You know, he was been into computers since Early adopters. Yeah, he was yeah, he was a nerd a, a computer nerd before anybody knew what a fucking computer was. But when Star Trek the Next Generation came out, yeah, dude, it was like a big deal for me. It was like, "Oh my god, it's a new one." And my dad was kind of like an internet downer. You know, he's kind of like, "Oh man, it's going to be lame." But man, when Wesley Crusher walked onto the bridge in like that first episode, I was like, "Oh my god, there's like a kid you What's know, it's like on? showing me. It's like my me. It's representing who I am. I'm a kid and I'm smart and I'm into Shut this up, nerdy. Yeah, and I'm into this nerdy <laughs> tech shit. I like learning about computers and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it really did help me identify with who I was as a person. And yeah, dude, since then, from then on, I mean, I was a Trek nerd because my dad was watching it. But when TNG, when that first episode, Wesley Crusher made me a fucking nerd. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, really looking forward to that new DS9. We spent way too much time on Deep Space Nine. That was just supposed to be a little extra. Uh, Anyway, talking about Colin Bunn, AWA Red Zone. This is a Cold War spy action thriller from here. Colin Bunn, but can you guess just by the art? Of course you can. Uh, Mike Diodata. Diodata, Diodata. Diodata, Diodata. Man, just beautiful lines here. I love his design choices. He does that photo-referential shit, but just adds his own spin. And he just, it does, it's always this kind of noir kind of aesthetic it's to it. It's beautiful, dude. It's beautiful. I'm so happy that Mike Diodata uh, has found a home at AWA. He doesn't have to worry about work. Publishers hook him up with writers who know what they're doing. But and it was AWA called out for not paying? No. Nope. You fuck no. You know they weren't. You know they weren't. They're owned by creators. That company is owned by comic book creators. You know they ain't going to fuck nothing up. No, they you know, there's, there's not any corporate shenanigans going on at AWA. At least not yet. Not yet. Not um, until they get big. Yeah. But this is Colin Bunn right? Colin this. Bunn doing a James Bond joint. Way out of his wheelhouse, dude. That Colin is- Bunn is known for okay X-Men books and great horror. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is not any of that no uh, i'm really intrigued by this to see what he does i mean it's it's an awa book so it's already on my pickup list yeah i know you're you're a publisher fan you're a fan of that publisher well uh, they they deliver they're hit or miss for me entirely you know if they, i really get something from them and i like it awesome but if i don't i'm just 
like oh i hate that you know, uh, there's only been all. one series from awa that i have not really liked yeah and that how many one no not that recent one um that american ronin one oh no i liked american ronin see i liked american ronin was it awa who did the one with the car that was alive yeah that Dude, was that a was oh that book was so good yeah awa really good. is like an unsung hero in the small press world right now. I, I always um, say this, but AWA hits way above their weight. Oh, no, they do. 100%. But there have been some misses. Uh, that Hotel Hell was good, but the that second, the second volume was bad. It was not good at all. Um, what's that one, that one with the superheroes in it? Uh, Resistance? Resistance is good, but the follow-up follow to that been, and the prequel. There great. was a prequel, too, that wasn't good. Keeping up with the Joneses or whatever the hell it was, it was just okay. It was just okay. But then they got books like, what, Not All Robots? Not All Robots. Oh, that was amazing. Uh, Chariot, which we mentioned. I didn't like Sacrament. That's that uh, Steve Niles horror, isn't it? Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's, that's just uh, okay. It's just that okay. Horror in space on a spaceship. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, they got that okay. Marjorie Flanagan time... Uh, oh yeah, that was fun. That was and that got option for a show. Yeah, yeah. And then so they really got like year zero. Book. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. The zombie, the zombie one. Yeah, and that the, was good. And then Archangel Nine. Oh, that was pretty fun too. That was pretty fun. Wasn't that too. Diodato too? Uh, Archangel Nine. No, I don't think so. But maybe, dude. He is all over the place. Uh, it's like the second coming of Mike Diodato. It oh, really yeah. is. It really is. Uh, all right, moving on from Red Zone, we do go to Miller World over there at Image Comics. Uh, the tragedy of Frank Mark Quietly. Millar. Oh, my. Uh, but, yes, Frank Quietly and Mark Millar are doing a book called The Ambassadors. Basically, eight billion people, six can have superpowers. It's like fucking Willy Wonka with the Avengers. I am so on board. <laughs> that sells <laughs> oh, me right uh, there. Oh, that he, he says that. He says that in, like, the solicit for it. You know, in the PR for it. This is coming out in um, on March 29th, so you're gonna have ah. to wait a little while for well, that's, it. That's not that far yeah. away. But uh, yeah, it's Frank quietly, but it's got a lineup of artists planned for the first arc, and I think ah. it's only gonna be like one six issue contained story. But you know, it's Mark Millar; he'll always come back and revisit shit. That's just what he does. <laughs> he'll he'll but, get into a TV, a movie yeah. or a show on Olivia Copel, Copel, Travis Charis, Matteo Bufagni. Carl Kersher, Kersel, and Matteo Scalera round okay. out the artists for this fucking series. Um, it's going to have uh, variant covers by Pepe Larraz and Gigi Cavingo. Okay, so, that yeah. sounds cool. Mark Millar said the idea for this is actually incredibly simple. Superheroes have always felt very American to the rest of the world, but what if the scientist who cracks the, the super genome is in Asia? What if this genius billionaire Korean girl launches the world's first real-life super team from a headquarters in Seoul, and it all takes off on the other side of the world with America watching like they watched the USSR putting the first man in orbit? So while on the surface we're saying, oh, it's Willy Wonka, dude, that's a deep alternate history sort of angle oh yeah to the superhero genre that's really kind of groundbreaking that's kind of uh, there's a book several years old where like they you could get superpowers from a pill um oh i kind of remember that they did like a, a movie about that as well uh, but like the With u.s Jamie army Fox. 
the U.S. Army was like giving it out to soldiers, and then like some soldiers turned around and gave it out like to like the Taliban. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. Damn. I have to look and see what that yeah, is. That sounds. That. Yeah, that that does have a. Yeah. What you're describing, yeah, it. I would be. <laughs> at least they said Seoul, Korea, Seoul, South Korea, because yeah. if it was like in China or something, it would be. I don't think that would be good. I mean, we'll see. It depends on you know the angle Millar takes to it, but yeah, um, but I mean, like if it's if the discovery is in Seoul, South is Seoul, Seoul in South yeah. Korea, there are still like you know politics and geopolitics involved. Yeah, you sound but, nationalist. I think that's what this book is kind of speaking against. Yeah, is American but, nationalism in a way. But like you know, from a standpoint, like if it was China, like I would be the United more States. Worried. Like we're going to war. No, not well. Maybe not going to war, but I, if I was like in the United States and that was happening, I'd be very concerned about Chinese superpowers. Eh, I'd be okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. But again, that there. this is this is the sort of ideas that this book is generating just from the solicit. Uh, and Mark Millar, dude, he knows what he's doing. We always you know joke around the tragedy of Mark Millar. But it's because he sold all of his shit to Netflix and like nothing has panned out for him. You know, he's got so many good comics that could be adapted, but they're not being adapted. And it's like, what the fuck? Just do it. You know, just do it. Huck is a surefire hit as a show, dude. Huck. Remember that book, Huck? Where it's like a Superman who's like a simple guy, like a simple version. Kind of like the Grapes of Wrath simple. I'm kind of, you know, I, I... It, it's ringing a bell, but yeah. I'm also got like other Miller titles running in my head. Yeah, right now. he's got a lot of good shit though. But uh, 2023 is going to be a big year for Mark Millar. He's bringing back Nemesis. He's doing this. He's got a lot of things in the fire. So we'll keep an eye on him in the new year. Moving on, Hairball, Dark Horse, and Matt Kent are doing a horror series Ooh. where the cat is the villain. The cat is the monster. Cats are um, always bastards. That's right. Uh, so Hairball is a supernatural thriller. Even though um, I loved one that passed away. <laughs> right, right. It's so weird that we're getting back to cats. Um, but Matt Kinn and Tyler Jenkins, uh, Hillary Jenkins is actually the colorist on here. Uh, she was the uh, colorist on Fear Case and Apache Delivery Service. Oh, my God. Those are oh, great books. Apache Delivery Service. Fear Case is fucking dope, too, bro. Oh. But this is a four-issue series. Launches in April, and it's described as Junji Ito meets Haya Mizaki. Junji Ito? Yeah. Junji oh my Ito gosh. meets Hayao Miyazaki meets Stephen King. Um, It's going to be on Flux House, which is Kent's new boutique imprint at Dark Horse, uh, which is really fucking cool. You know, because we were talking about this earlier. It is really great that Matt Kent is moving into having that thing. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's even evil cats. All cats are inherently evil. They just use us. Right. So I'm not sure if Kent's going to lean into that in this. I hope he does. Um, Matt Kent is not really well known for his horror. Um, and he even says as much in the PR for this. Um, it kind of scared him. You know what I mean? He wasn't really sure what to do here what what artist to approach but then of course tyler jenkins you know was available because of the dark horse connections and everything fell into place uh the variant cover on the right here is from martin simmons one of my favorite artists right now working on department of truth with uh tinyan uh yeah dude so 
in Hairball, a young girl named Anna, she suspects that her dysfunctional family's problems may or may not be caused by a by the family's cat. Ah. And yeah, so she starts investigating this and yeah, the cat is fucking crazy. So we're going to get more on that when we read the issue. This comes out in April. Really excited about this one, man. This looks like so much damn fun. Uh Matt Kent is going to be doing some of the art in the book, which is really nice. Cool. Uh so yeah, dude, I'm stoked about this uh, one. Before you move on, I did yeah. look up that book that I was talking about the military gets the pills, the, mm. the given powers. That was called War Heroes. Mm. And it was also by Millar. Mm. It was published by it was published from Image Comics. Yeah. In uh 2008. So he's kind of revisiting the well. Wow. Well, I don't know about that. It's a little bit different. He's it's always little... doing superhero deconstruction, you know, style stories, and this is definitely that. But... Yeah. But yeah, but it know. it did it sounded awful familiar, so right, right. <laughs> had a bunch of familiar elements in it, and it turns out it was a story that's very similar to right to that. Uh, all right, one more bit of news again, another independent book ending with Image. Uh, Greg Rucka okay. coming back to the fore. Uh, man, one of my favorite writers of all time, just has written some of my favorite shit. Um, is back at Image with artist Mike Henderson. They're doing a book called Forged. Um. It's set to release in March. It's an over-the-top pulp adventure filled to the brink, brink with violence and Conan-inspired science fiction. It's set in the 11th millennium of the rule of Eternal Empress. Forge follows a squad of planet-smashing super soldiers who find their routine mission to be anything but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Once again, we're revisiting something we talked about earlier in the show, right? Warhammer 40k. It you, feels like Warhammer 40k. It, it feels like aliens. You know, it, it feels, feels like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, great art by Henderson here, and man, I love Greg Rucka so much. I'm looking for big world building. I'm looking for deep character, you know, studies, you know, things like that. And I'm really sure we're going to get it. I am um, waiting for them to declare exterminatus. Oh, man. You like Greg Rucka, though. <laughs> I mean, who don't like Greg Rucka? <laughs> I love Greg Rucka. He yeah. wrote some pretty good stuff. So, yeah, this is one definitely look out for. This drops in March. Hmm. That's it. That's, That's it. That's it for the news. So, yeah, that was uh, all kinds of dope small press news, man, about fuckers not getting paid and why they should be. Okay, these books that are coming out, these are must-read books. These are books that are going to be adapted for the screen. It's abuse. You know what I'm saying? It is. And it's time we fix it's that It's exploitation shit. of it is. It's, well, that's the whole system. But in this case, it is exploitation to the nth degree. Right? So, All right, let's do a food news. It's a David-centric food news. Mmm, yummy. David tossed something in the chat. I don't know. What was it, about a week ago? In the, this Geeky I, Comics chat? Was it the and, the the... the, the yeah, you know what canes? it was. Uh, yeah, it was definitely the candy canes. And we do this annually. <laughs> we used to do this every, I mean, since we, even before Food News, we would bring this shit up in, on all the shows that we did, man. We would bring up these nasty candy canes. McPhee.com, six-pack for six ninety five. This year's big release, brisket-flavored candy canes. So, oh. yeah, yeah, if you like some of their other flavors, like Caesar salad or mac and cheese... 
or pickle. They also have bacon, uh, uh, butter-flavored, sour cream and onion-flavored candy yeah, cane. I'd be, I'd be down for a pickle candy cane. Uh, no. No, thank you. That is nasty. That is disgusting. Uh, I would definitely give it a lick. <laughs> I might uh, actually be down for the sour like cream the and taste. onion. I may not like the taste. Uh, McPhee.com, again, six-pack for six ninety-five. They are not a sponsor. I just think they're fun as hell. They also that's have not, a can- that's not terribly expensive. Yeah, that's not. It's like a dollar a candy cane. It's a six yeah. pack, you know, dollar twenty a candy cane or something like that. But um, they also have a candy cane that is the Bah Humbug candy cane. Oh no! It tastes like nothing. It just nothing. It doesn't have any flavor. It has at no all. flavor to no it. No flavor at all. It's just a How? flavorless candy cane. And I was like, How wow, that's smart. That? That's How really fun. How do you fun. do that? I don't know. They're geniuses. I don't know how you get butter in there, but I assume it's just like the way the jelly bean companies do it. Yeah. Um, but why? How come? How come? You could basically do your entire dinner in just candy canes. Oh, here's your first uh, <laughs> course, Caesar salad. And it's just a candy cane. Yeah. It's like, oh, here you want to put some some butter on that here's some butter candy cane wow i feel like i'm living in the jetsons era right <laughs> yeah no no that's gross <laughs> uh, and we would have been remiss of course because we do a double dose of food news you know usually one good one bad just for taylor really but when the mexican pizza is in the news we always cover it just months after bringing back the mexican pizza taco bell is trying out two new varieties on december 22nd only in oklahoma city only in okc it's only an OKC. It's the jalapeno. That seems like a natural evolution. It really does. It's almost like, ooh, those are like little Mexican pepperonis on there. Jalapenos. I think a Mexican pepperoni would just be yeah. a pepperoni. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, I'd have to ask. I'll have to ask my friend. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure why you can't just go to the fucking Taco Bell and say, hey, you want to toss some jalapenos? On I'm there? pretty sure you can it. do that. If, yeah. Like, like you could probably go on the app and like customize it. Yeah, already. Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. But still, that's weird. Now here's another one. This is the 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 piece de la resistance in Omaha, Nebraska. Why are we oh. doing stuff in the Midwest? I don't know. Why are we not bringing we this all over? In the Midwest. I don't know. But you can, because there's nothing else in the Midwest. Taco Bell's like, we've got a niche, a niche here. We've sewn up the market the for Mexican is food. For its barbecue, <laughs> for Mexican fast food. Uh, this is the triple crunch Mexican pizza, which is basically the Big Mac of Mexican pizzas, where it adds another layer of the bottom layer. This which is, seems- oh man, I bet the texture of that, the double crunch, cr- crunch when you're biting, crunch, crunch. Oh, I bet it's so good. This this seems also like a natural evolution of the Mexican pizza. Dude, exactly. You are not wrong. But what I would like is a triple crunch Mexican pizza with jalapenos. A triple crunch jalapeno. I'm pretty sure, sure you could probably get that. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you could just go be like, yeah. you know, special order it. <laughs> so you can do it a la carte or as a combo meal with two tacos. I don't know who the fuck is eating a Mexican pizza and two tacos. I hope you got a date. And it comes with a large soda. It's five bucks and five fifty, depending on the location. Well, that's not too te- too um, terrible a deal. Yeah, you can make your own by requesting jalapeno peppers and a side of nacho cheese sauce for your regular Mexican pizza. Okay, because that's what the jalapeno one comes with. It comes with a side of uh, of nacho cheese. 
Um, so it's a bit more than $6, but they're testing it to see if they can make money. Uh, because use mid, uh, us Midwest people are good test market. I, I mean, I get it. I don't have the numbers for that. So obviously you're right because Taco Bell is doing it there. This just <laughs> seems like David said, a natural evolution. Just roll that shit out. How bad can it be? People are smart enough to, who are working at Taco Bell to be like, oh, okay, it's another layer. Oh, okay, jalapenos. Is it really that hard? Is it? Uh, our test engineers have figured out the secret to making the ultimate Mexican pizza. We're going to put a third layer on it. Oh, yeah, right. We're gonna, the we're third not, layer. Not, we're not going to stop there. We're going to have a Mexican cake. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like a Mexican <laughs> cake. It is, it's delicious, though. It looks great. It does look good. I love a Mexican pizza. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, I don't have any shots for the uh, moment of destruction, but the final Transformers issue has been published by IDW this week. It was uh, Transformers Shattered Glass 2, number 5. That's sort of the mirror universe where the Autobots are evil and Decepticons are good. It was trash, just like everything else that IDW oh, was well, putting out. I was about to say, let's have a moment of silence for IDW Transformers. <laughs> it's been but... dead for quite some time. <laughs> but we yeah. would just be flogging a it's dead It's been horse dead there. for quite some time. Uh, I can't wait to hear where it's going. Hopefully, January is when we hear where the Transformers and G.I. Joe franchises are going to show up. So, um, Are we are we sure it's going to be Skybox or Skybound? We're not. That's like 80% right now that Kirkman is the one who's doing it. He's getting a team together. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, to be honest, we haven't heard much from Kirkman in terms of new books. He's got Firepower coming out. I'm not sure what else he's got going on. Yes. Everything else is either done or, or he's kind of busy doing all that. He's kind of busy being involved with all these uh, Walking Dead spinoffs. I mean, he is series. in part working on The Walking Dead. He is also working on The Invincible Show on Amazon. He is working in these other places. But it is uh, still my belief that it is going to Skybound and Robert Kirkman is going to be the guy in charge of the Transformers and G.I. Joe line. It's still my belief that that's where it's going to go. And I'm okay with that. As long as he gets good creators on those books, I'm cool. I'm cool. As long as he got a plan, you know? And Kirkman don't do nothing without a plan. Kirkman don't take a dump without a plan, son. Uh, let's do top three. All indie top three. All small press. Ooh. Man, I got so many honorable mentions. I think I'll wait to the end of the show to do them. Um, I, was, I kept the honorable mentions to a minimum. Darkland number one was fun. I need more. No, that's Dark Ride. Dark Ride. Darkland. Was, I did no. not get a copy of this. Oh, it was really fun, dude. I'll send you over the copy that I got because they sent me a press copy. Thank you, Scout Comics. This was a very good issue. It was kind of all over the place, but it felt like one of those sort of chaos first issues where by issue two, everybody's going to come together and it's going to be very satisfying. Um, that's by uh, Nicholas Black and Serge Acuna. Acuna. Uh, Serge has done a lot of covers that I've liked. But, yeah, his interiors were very sharp here, very good. Um, I do advise, but it wasn't good enough to uh, make my top three this week. Uh, uh, Art Brute and Ice Cream Man, both books that are technically, like, off of here, retired because they were just so good. Art Brute, number one, yeah, it's number one. But it was originally The Electric Sublime. Uh, we might talk about those later. Our, our brute later are we dave no 
Oh, okay. So Art Brood is great. Very fun book. Good Definitely book. check it out. But, Art is know, basically already, weaponized in this like book. You said, like you said, we've already kind of discussed it before yeah. when it was called The Electric Sublime. Yeah, Art so. is basically a weapon in this book. It's very well done. Uh, it's actually this issue had a backup story, which is very fun. It was like a retro throwback story following Art Brute. Uh, and Ice Cream Man number 33 retired from my list, but definitely would have been my number one this week. Prince Isn't and that Razo. series coming to an end as well? No, I haven't heard anything about Maybe them I'm ever getting bringing my series this mixed up. to an end. I haven't heard them about bringing this series to an end. I heard it's going on forever. But this was truly in a fun way. Prince gets really personal here by writing a story about the, a guy having a good day and a bad day by saying, I really want to write stories about people having a good day like this guy. But I always end up writing stories about people having a bad day like this guy. And it's really about choices that we make, you know, and he's like saying to to the audience, to the reader, I make the choice to write these bad stories. Why am I doing that? You know what I mean? It's am really I a bad fun. person it's, for making? Am this? I bad? Yeah, dude. It's really personal and really deep. Ice Cream Man thirty three uh, might be one of the best issues of the year. Honestly, it was very, very good. But again, it's retired from my list. So, Nightclub number one is my number three book of the week. Well, Mark Millar. That's my number three book of the week. Oh, not what? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, this book was specially priced at two bucks to get people in, and I understand why. It did have a bit of first issue syndrome, but it's Mark Millar, Juan, and Ramirez. There's a lot of world building, a lot of yeah. There's a lot of world building going on in this, but it was still strong enough to get me to come back for more. There's a cop who also happens to be a vampire. He's recruiting young people who are on the brink of death. Yeah, he he's recruiting those who have no chance (laughs) of recovery. Is what he said. Yeah. Making them vampires and building an army. We're not sure exactly why, but his newest recruit, you know, he goes and turns him. We see that story. We see him training him. Yeah. But his recruit has plans of his own, wants to be sort of internet hero famous by covering his skin so he doesn't, isn't affected by the sun. In a luchador mask. In a luchador mask. Uh, so, yeah, Mark Millar, we were just talking about him. This is his comeback uh, for 2023. Very excited to see how the rest of this series goes, man. It I was, was fun. It was fun. I, it, it, it had a very kind of like a Spider-Man aesthetic mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, maybe I would, uh, maybe I would compare it to like you know Spider-Man and Miles, Peter and Miles. Oh yeah, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Yeah, Peter, yeah, yeah, Spider-Man. Like yeah. into the Spider-Verse, the that dynamic, the, yeah, the, the movie the, dynamic. It was uh, definitely the teacher and and student sort of dynamic here. That's yeah. what he was pushing. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But there was there was no there was no uh, writing on the back of the kid while he jumps from building to building. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it, the the our 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 newly turned vampire. He does have his own plans, and I kind of figure that he's going to turn his two friends, the guy that was getting bullied by the basketball team captain for doing his homework. Such yeah. a trope. <laughs> it was. It was. No, Millar's definitely leaning into a lot of tropes here. Yes. For sure. He does that a lot in his writing, but he uses them in new and inventive ways. To and the entertain. vampires the vampires don't sparkle when they're in the sunlight. Right, right. <clears throat> the main reason this book made my list because I was truly entertained the whole time. I wanted was, to see what was what happens next. It was I can't it, wait to see what happens next. It was a it was a fun read from beginning to end, and I definitely yeah. am looking forward to issue two. Yeah, it definitely looks like you said, like he's going to try to turn his two buddies, you know, ruining the plans uh, of this guy who's 
I don't know. Maybe his his ideas are in the best interest of everything, you know, what's going on. He seems kind of villainous, but yeah, I don't know. So, uh, all right. That was both of our number threes, oddly enough. So just to keep it round Robin, what is your number two book of the week? But start with your honorable mentions. Uh, my, my uh, honorable mentions. My only honorable mention this week is going to be 10,000 black feathers. Number four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That did not make my list officially retired. Holy shit. Great issue. Great issue. Ugh. But there just was, I felt there was just a lot going on in this. It was just slow. The, it, it was, was slow. There was a, it, it was a very. It was flashing back. It was, it felt to me like this is a bridge issue into what's next in the story. Cause by the end of this, it becomes a portal story and she's uh, in a different world. Yeah. She ends yeah. up, she ends up discovering the portal to the other world. Yeah. But there's like, you know, the, 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 the the bird skull guys show up. Yeah, They're, somebody else dies. It's and you're just trying There's to a lot just, going on. You're just sure. trying to piece together a lot of things and seeing yeah. you know because I have to go back and kind of like reread like the previous issue to kind of understand because things so happening. much is happening. You're yes. right. You're right. Uh, and it just it just I kind of felt lost. It's a great yeah. book. The artwork is good. Oh, it's I beautiful. just it just too much is happening and it just lost me. Yeah, for sure. Um, it feels to me like 10,000 Black Feathers, if I'm comparing it to like a th- the three-act sort of way to tell a story, this entire issue was the second act. You know what I mean? I can, it was, I, I, it, I can get that. I get that. Yeah, Jeff Lemire was like, no, my third act is so good. I need two issues because I think this I think this is all six issues, seven issues so. series. It's not maybe it's, only it's five. Not a, it's not it's the limited series, yeah. Yeah, it can't be five. You know, he's got way too much story to tell for this to be only five. Um, but yeah, it felt like he crammed a lot in here because he didn't want to make the third act bigger than it needed to be. But I'm stoked. I'm still stoked. Still the best team in comics right now. And yeah, I can't wait to read the rest of it. Uh, any other honorable mentions? Nope, that was my only honorable mention. What is your number two book of my number, the week? My number two book of the week is Held Pay Number Two. You will not guess this. Oh my gosh, it is your that is two. my number two book of the week. <laughs> Held to Pay Number Two, Charles Soule and Will Sliney. Man, what a great follow up issue. This really cemented this. This does I'm in for the long haul, dude. This this did a lot of like you no know, building on that first issue. Yes, they they go they go to the shrouded council. They're like, we got the last coin, but we found but... this other coin. And they're like, well, you're obligating the shrouded council. Like your obligation to us is still full, is still uh in right. effect and they're like right. bastards that seems like so much bullshit dude but we we you know they 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 go to the guy who escaped hell yeah oh they, they end up telling us who that is by the they end. end up telling us who that was alexander go, the fucking great what of, he's of, the one who made the deal of course it was him of course yes. it was him but of course but we go you know, but he, but before we found out he was Alexander the Great, we found out that he was the guy that escaped hell with the coins. Yeah, and he is, well, he's te- he's a he's kind of connected to the coins he took, but he can kind of tell things about the coin that they have. Yeah, he's sort and of now like he's, a divining rod, kind of. Yeah, and now coins. he's kind of pissed at them because they're like using him as a tool. Yeah, <laughs> but that whole scene in the prison was pretty good. He like pulls out the hammer and the shield, and he's yeah. just going to town on these guys. Yeah. 
but they, so, they follow up on all this stuff and we kind of we kind of get an idea about like how this other guy is maybe getting these coins from hell yeah as good as all that stuff was us learning about the bad guy us learning about the good guy the the start of this is like neo-capitalism kind of started because of this sat satanic curse i fucking loved that so yeah. much dude i love that so much but yeah we meet the bad guy who trades just one of these coins to some mexican prison dirt bag who's in charge for like for 3, all thousand prisoners to do prisoners. who knows what you know who knows what the fuck this is like this is like that here. scene from like blade three where like the vampires are farming people for their blood this is this is what that reminds me of not yeah, for blood for sure. but for something else yeah, for like sure. Soul dude. energy or something. Yeah, for sure. There's He's a lot going into on. The coins. Uh, our two pro our protagonists are fucking awesome. Their relationship works so well together, and it's not forced. It feels organic. It's just so well done. Yeah, great book, man. Hell to pay. Charles Soul, dude. He's a master right now. He really knows what he's doing. It's like the second or third coming of Charles fucking Soul at this point, man. Oh you yeah. Know? And yeah, and that this whole... is a great book. And you know, that whole like you know kind of like legal contract dynamic that you know that the the shrouded council was going in you know soul does really good like you know he did like one of the best runs of she hulk and yeah yeah and he is he did good I, work over at dc was, too if i recall right yeah but he's a he was like a real life lawyer so there was that kind of touch to it yeah yeah yeah, Hell to Pay, number two, uh, great book. I'm on for the long haul. This book could go 50 issues. I'm, I'm reading every one. I'm reading all of them. Yeah, I'm really, I'm sold now after this second issue. So uh, that leads us to our number ones, uh, and we'll come back to me. I'm not sure how you could have anything else on your list if you read it this week. It was extra big. It was extra awesome. Mattson Tomlin and the amazing Lieber Mayho, Vicious Circle, number one. <laughs> also this my is, number one. Dude. Shit, I'm not even going to talk about the book, okay? Because you can tell by the artwork here. Look how fucking amazing Lieber Mayo's artwork here is. I was not able to get any of the extra pages, but there is a twist in this book where it changes from black and white to the most vivid color you can <laughs> ever imagine in a book. Yes. And it should be jarring. But the story makes it work, and everything comes together in such a unique and beautiful and there, amazing way. It there was is so a time travel. Good. There is a time travel. There is a time travel element to this story, and when it starts happening more frequently, the yeah. art style changes from panel to panel almost. And sometimes it mixes in the panels. Sometimes yeah. the panel, some characters are black and white, some are in color, and then some are half and half as they're like drifting somehow. Yeah, dude, it's just so it's, well it, done. The, the 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 this book made my number one not because of the story, but the story is the story's awesome. Good story it's a little is derived. Really good. It's a little derived. It's time travel. It's time travel, but but there's a there's a another player in the game that can time travel, and these yes. two are locked in what is you know appropriately titled a vicious circle. Yeah, it's like if one goes to the future, the other one goes to the past. It goes from the 1950s into the into the future, into like the Cretaceous period. There's dinosaurs and shit yeah. running around. It's so big. It's so vivid. But then in the story, there's also like this personal sort of element. There's to a it, revenge you know, with a element. Family. Yeah. There's a revenge element to it. Yeah, dude. It's so, uh, yeah. Again. One of the best issues of the year. So damn. I wish I was able to get these other pictures where it shows the art, the the color being used 
to tell the story. Literally, there is color being used in this to tell the story. And it's backed up by Lee Bermejo's beautiful photorealistic work. Um, it, it's just amazing. It was, I was, I was, I, not, I, was I, I did not expect it to go from yeah. black and white to color. I was shocked it was, when that happened. I was like, oh, because it was kind of, I don't want to say it was subtle, because it wasn't. You could see it clearly. It's like when but, Dorothy opens the door after yes, the tornado. That's exactly where I was going with it, dude. It's like Wizard of Oz. It's like when Dorothy opens the door and she steps out and you're just like, you're in it. Yes. You're in it. Oh, yeah, dude. It was just very well done. Just a, such a creative idea. Just such a creative idea. Just way to go, man. Yeah. And I don't know. I think some, I think other creators could have pulled this off. But when you get into this and you see Lee Bermejo's art, you're just like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's so well done. You're not expecting the art to carry the story on yet another level. Because again, Lee Bermejo's art is carrying this shit, you know? Oh, yeah. But oh, it's so well done. Just. Like perfect, I said, like I said perfect. the last time it was or on the previous show, yeah. Lee Bermejo can do a book with no dialogue in it, and I would pick it up. Which yeah. you guys said he did with the cover book, but this well, there is, was a little bit of of narrative there, but no, it wasn't any dialogue. This, it wasn't any this dialogue. Lee Bermejo can do this this photorealistic sequential art that yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and he it's just another great book. It is. All he does is great books, man. So good. So good. I've been a fan of his since that Joker book. Oh, that Joker book was yeah. like is like it's probably one his of the quintessential best. work. It's probably his signature piece. It's you know one of I mean? the best modern Joker books. Oh, for sure. Out there for right sure. now. Yeah. Uh awesome, y'all. That was our, you know, in indie show this week. We had the opportunity to do it on the cuff. And yeah, I had some great stories that lined up and it was a great week. Of of independent books, amazing that Dave and I picked the same books. There were that other is, good books. That, none of this Specs. was planned. None of it, this none was of that planned. was planned. No, none of this planned. Specs was awesome this week. Dark Ride was awesome this week. Assassin's Apprentice was pretty Assassin's okay. Assassin's Apprentice was really good. Yeah. Um, the story kind of was a bit a bit slow pacing, but I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoyed Grim. Grim was okay, dude. The music, the use of music in that yes. book is superb. It's like. How? How are they doing that? And but that, that band is Ghost. Oh, well. Yeah. That band at the show is Ghost. So that was like so appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great indie books this week. Smaller press stuff. And yeah, we touched on quite a lot of it. So uh, awesome. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. We really appreciate it. Uh, come back tomorrow night. We're doing a show. I think Taylor and I are doing a show. Yeah, come we, back and check. We may not, depending if on Taylor's not. If Taylor's not doing something with the family for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. I won't be here. Oh, you're going to be here tomorrow night? No, I won't. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dave's out. He's got to work. Uh, but we're going to talk about all the books coming out next Wednesday. Well, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, on the Comic Shop shelves. So definitely come and hang out. Uh, check out the Comic Book Bullies tonight. They're going to talk about Avatar, I think. I don't think <laughs> either uh, Leroy or Eli has actually seen Avatar The Way of Water. But they're probably going to talk about it. Why? Cora. <laughs> well, yeah, not Cora. Uh <laughs> <laughs> she bends water. She's not the way she's of the, water. She's the she's the avatar from the water tribe. Exactly. Uh, but they're the going to talk about it's somehow this surprised people that this movie did so well. I don't understand um, why people the reviews think I've, the Avatar reviews, wouldn't do well. 
the reviews I've heard is if if uh, Jake and Natiti or Nat- Natari Naridi Naridi if, her, if yeah. their kids had just done what they had been told, none of this would have happened. That's how kids are. <laughs> it's like great well, kids. It, it, it comes from someone who ain't got no kids. Mm. Yeah, for sure, because that's how it works. You tell them how what to do, they do the opposite, and they learn the hard way. Oh yeah, um, that stove but, is hot. But definitely check out the comic book bullies on most of these channels that we're on right now tonight. Uh, if you want full links to everything they've got going on, go to outrightgeeker.com. We got a list of everything they got going on. Everything we got going on, Patreon, merch, different uh, social media channels. Definitely go to Facebook. Check out the Outright Geekery group. Andy's over there kicking it. Uh, and like uh, Andy said, until next time, everyone, of course, Dave, we – oh, wait. What, I, what am I doing? Where, what part of the show am I at? Again, supposed to be like, thanks, be the- everybody, for hanging out. But most but, of all, thanks to this guy for hanging out with this guy. Always a pleasure. Andy threw me off a little bit. Yeah. We are going to do it again next time. Same geek time, same geek channel. What a world, what a world.